But George, will you just please publicly apologize to Ben Roethlisberger? Just because I've got to go back in there. Every time I go in there, he's like mad. He won't answer my questions. And I go, it's George. I'll give you his number. Just just say something good about Ben so we can go talk fantasy okay. football. Okay. I'm going to say something nice about, about Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and and I, I'll preface it by saying this. No one is a bigger fan of body transformation, of improving your health more than me. So I'm just proud of Ben Roethlisberger. He could have easily gone the other way. He could have said, screw it. I'm, you know, I'm going to eat my way out of this. He's working in that direction. I applaud that. You know what I did? I saw that, Chris. I put a bet down on him to win MVP this year um, at like 80 to 1. There you go. There. Welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast. Today is going to be the fantasy football preview show. I have our two PFF senior fantasy analysts, Ian Harditz and Dwayne McFarland. They're unbelievable. What do you hear these guys talking about fantasy and drafting and strategy and, and the whole thing? We also did a new kind of fantasy league that we're calling worst ball, which you'd think I'd be really good at this one. And actually, I did screw it up, so I probably am good at it. But we're going to talk about uh, all of that with our good friend and senior pessimist, uh, George Shahuri, who um, makes everybody in Pittsburgh crazy. But in fact, if you want to play along with us with this new worst ball uh, fantasy league, and I mean, it was fun. We really we had a lot of laughs doing this. Uh, just listen to the podcast and then uh, check it out and join in on the fun. It'll be all part of the PFF site. You'll be able to get access to that there as well. But if you're a little bit more of the traditional kind of fantasy uh, drafter, then if you go to PFF and you use promo code KICKOFF30, you're going to get uh, 30% off any PFF uh, subscription. And, of course, that gets you PFF's Fantasy Football Draft Kit and Draft Strategy Rankings, Tiers and Projections, PFF's Weekly Rankings and Projections by all of our analysts, and, of course, the PFF Algorithms, which I personally wrote, and all of PFF's Premium Locked Article content from PFF's awesome analysts and PFF's betting dashboards with every NFL and college game. And believe me, where we have the biggest advantage, I think, is in college football because our guys know more about it than anybody. We are analyzing every player on every snap and every game, so trust me, we know more than anybody. And PFF's props tools and coming soon, our best bets tool as well. Again, all that promo code KICKOFF30 for 30% off any PFF subscription. Get access to all of PFF's fantasy tools for just $6.99. That's crazy. Okay, let's get to our fantasy guys, Ian Harditz, Dwayne McFarlane, and George Shahari. All right, well, welcome into the uh, Chris Collinsworth podcast. And this is the week that we are going to introduce the world to a brand new way of playing fantasy football. Now, this is right up the alley of pro football focus here. I, I've just got to tell you, this one fits our room better than anybody. We were playing worst ball fantasy with our fantasy experts out there. We got Ian Harditch right here in our room. Ian, good to see you. Good to see you. And Dwayne McFarlane, who is uh, away. Where are you? Dwayne, where are you? Texas. Texas, Texas, just south of Fort Worth. Oh, nice and cool down there, is it? You feel good? <laughs> very, very cool. Very so, cool. What were the it's bugs you were talking about? You have new bugs in Texas now? Yeah, we've got these things called army worms. I've never heard of them, but they've eaten about a quarter of my yard in two days. So that's awesome. So I got to figure that out, Chris. 
army worms. Okay, those are the kind of those are the things that hit my desk daily. Thanks to George Shahuri, who's in charge of everything down at the bottom down there. Now, George, where are you? Ever since I gave you that big raise, I haven't seen you. So, where are you in the Bahamas? Are you in Hawaii? Where are you spending that money? Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm in California right now. Um, I was. Uh, I was in Canada. Um, it's, I've been all over, just been spending, spending the money on my future fantasy winnings all over the place. Um, and there's probably like for the people that know me and you obviously know me, there's no better fantasy format for me than worse ball, right? It's, it's basically like if George created a fantasy league, this would be it. So my friend, Jonathan introduced the concept. So we decided we were going to play this thing uh, the other night and we had a list of players that you could pick from. Right. And so it, it, it's not insulting to be in our game, but basically you want Patrick Mahomes last. You do not want Patrick Mahomes on your team. You're trying to watch your, your opponents score touchdowns and score points. Is that basically it, Ian? Yeah, for those that I think most people are familiar with a general fantasy draft, but best ball, what that has been is you just draft and that's it. Your whole roster gets optimized. Best score goes to the top. Our version of worst ball is we're looking for the opposite of that. We want to have the worst total score possible in that lineup. But like you said, Chris, we didn't make it so you could just draft guys that are going to be off the team out of the NFL completely here in a month. Starters, guys that, you know, we're like in the top 60 of our rankings, still running back wide receiver. Guys that are usually going in a draft, but we're forcing people to take them in the first round instead of the 18th. Or as we saw with your team, you know, maybe not in certain cases. There you go. But I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was perfect for us. So... Let me give you how my days typically go. So I'm, I've am i got about five minutes before the fantasy draft is going to start. So I'm trying to log on to our site, right, and get on there. And so, of course, it's not going to work. So now my guy, Michael Ayers, comes flying in the room, and he does the thing. But one thing it wants is it wants to – you've got to – in Ohio or something, you've got to download a certain number of players. I don't know, some crazy rule. So we do all that. So now the whole point of this worst ball is that you're supposed to draft the worst players on this list out of everybody on there. So we go, I'm pick number three. I'm like, this is going to be golden. I'm going to go flying right through there. But because we downloaded some of these players, my first two picks are Christian McCaffrey and Devontae Adams. There is universal laughter going on all over the fantasy world. And my, our guys who I've paid to be the experts are laughing their ass off via social media about me picking two of the best players in the whole thing. I'm like, airs, I'm screaming at them. I'm like, come on, you're killing me here with this thing. So I've got two of the premier guys that everybody was trying to avoid at the top of my draft. That was, uh, that was good. It's just funny seeing the draft board where number one, Cordero Patterson, number two, Justin Jackson. And there comes Christian McCaffrey right after. Uh, you know, why not? And then, so here's my question about this. So if one of these guys get hurt, God forbid, let's say Christian McCaffrey gets hurt again. Do I play him? Is that how it works? Or does he go off the list and I have to get somebody else? We were chatting about this in our um, just kind of Slack chat 
this one kind of issue with the league, you're incentivized to root for injuries more or less because if McCaffrey gets hurt, you're getting a zero for him the entire year, which again is the goal. So we took out guys you know, like Cam Akers that are already injured, but theoretically, if you really want to go all in on this league, whopping $5 buy-in that we had, you would be you know, rooting for injuries. This is a sick place to work. <laughs> I will say that right now. I will say it. So who won? So give me the rundown of, of who did we think crushed this thing, Dwayne? Who do we think, um, you know, just kind of other than me, who <laughs> screwed it up? Yeah. Um, well, if you look at underdogs and you look at if you look at the projections, I, I'm projected lowest. Right, George? So I think mm -hmm. I won, Chris. But I will say Nathan Yonke's already off to a really hot start today because he drafted Travis at the end. So just like we were talking about. Injuries play a role. He's also got uh, Cole Beasley, who's now, um, you know, been sent home with uh, due to COVID. So we'll see. And we know Beasley's not wanting to be vaccinated. So maybe that's a potential strategy. You're drafting some of these guys that you know you haven't had vaccinations. Um, but it's funny because it's like Ian said, it's the total opposite of what you would normally do. So normally you want talent and opportunity. Like if you've got big talent and big opportunity, those are your first picks. Then you kind of get into this range where it's like you either want really big opportunity, like say like a Mike Davis, you may not think the talent's elite, but he's going to have a lot, of, a lot of opportunity, or you want really high uh, ceiling as far as talent goes. So maybe a guy like Jamar Chase you would draft. You're not for certain about his role, but you know he's going to be involved in the offense. You know that he's a young player, he's ascending. And then eventually, you know, as the draft goes, you work your way down to you get to the bottom and you want players with what you believe, you know, to have less talent and less opportunity. So it really was weird to be taking those players early on. And so I have to say money to taking taking Wayne Gallman, a, a player that made this list that could never see a snap this season. You know, when you look at a guy like Gio Bernard in the first round, he actually kind of scares me as a first round pick because what if, what if all of a sudden they start going, you know, no huddle offense, two minute offense. We've seen Tom Brady do that in the past. And all of a sudden Gio Bernard is like this back catching all these passes. Well, that's going to be a lot of points. Um, so for me, I, I took Penny, Rashad Penny first just because he struggled with injuries. Uh, the players I wanted were gone. Um, then I took Hunter Renfro in the second because I don't see the Raiders running a ton of 11 personnel. They run more 12. And so this is a slot receiver. They've got other guys on the team. So I think there's a, it's, it's weird to look at it, to be honest, Chris. Like just to say, hey, here's the absolute winner because there's a lot of really crappy teams, which I guess, you know, besides yours, of course, um, and that was that was the goal. Uh, you, you wait and see. Something will work out with those two guys. You, you wait and see. I'm going to be the upset winner here. And, of course, George, I thought it was, uh, Ian, a little stunning, really, that uh, he did not take the entire Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> roster he as, he, as he was drafting because he cheers against them so hard. Uh, but I did see that as we got down to the receivers, it was bang, bang, bang for you, George, on uh, Pittsburgh Steeler guys here. Yeah, let me. Um, well, let me tell you this: I was absolutely heartbroken that Big Ben was not available for me. Um, <laughs> one of my strategies was going to be to get um, two quarterbacks. So. And we've talked about the strategy here a couple of times, but like the way as you look at your roster, you go, okay, how few superstars can I have contributing to my team, right? I'm trying to score the fewest amount of points. So I want, you know, I want whole sets of, um, of positions that don't have a superstar. So when I was thinking about quarterbacks, I was like, I got to get Big Ben. I got to snag Big Ben. And then, you know, Tua was the other guy that I was going after and someone snagged Big Ben from me. So I ended up with Tua, and Baker, and I was like, well, I got to make up for it somehow. So I have the entire Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiving core. I have Deontay, Johnson, Juju, and Chase Claypool. I took them back to back to back. 
um, which and they, they have a pretty stack. They've got some competition here because I have AJ Green, I have Randall Cobb, um, and uh, and and so that's a that's a formidable um, group there. I think honestly, Chris, like I thought I had a really good team in Ian and Dwayne. I think I was coming for the crown, but at the end of the draft, I'm sitting there and I have to pick a tight end. And it's between Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, and George Kittle. And I couldn't take George Kittle because I'm a Niners fan. I couldn't do that to myself. Um, I was worried about Darren Waller getting every single pass thrown his way from Derek Carr. So I took Travis Kelsey. And now I'm just the whole season, I'm going to be rooting against Travis Kelsey. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Okay, you're going to come in last. So we've already established that. I've got one. Now, that's an interesting strategy here and we're going to get on to real fantasy strategy here in a minute but i took john U. smith right who knows what's going to happen with that i was kind of figuring cam before cam doesn't show up for the covid test and but i was figuring he was going to be the quarterback maybe a little bit more run oriented than what other people might expect but i have no others because i was like george by the end i'm not taking one of those big three guys so i'm i'm riding with john U. smith no matter what happens the whole year so how do we like that strategy so again maybe we didn't get every single rule across as it was supposed to be everyone was supposed to draft two tight ends we had some people take three so they weren't there were none left by the time i got there exactly i'm the one that really messed up here because i got the round 13 so basically we have no idea what we're doing (laughs) in this league well george took kelsey and all of a sudden i needed a tight end and i just had to pick between waller and kittle and in a usual fantasy draft like those are the big three and i'm used to trying to get one of them if i don't you wait till the end you can't just wait till the end here when there's only a finite amount of players otherwise you end up with nothing but studs to pick from so that was one of the funnier kind of parts for me and i can tell with george as well where you feel really good about the team until you remember that tight end spot i I can't wait to see (laughs) how this comes out i I seriously cannot wait let's let's, um because i think it'd be fun i'd really like to see you know other people try this out we might try and do another one where we like kind of actually know what we're talking about when we do it the next time yeah right we'll get everyone aligned this time and like maybe you won't draft the number one player in the league right (laughs) off the bat you know and Devontae adams um you never know but um i think we have it in a pretty good spot so what you want is a list of players that you can draft from no one can draft anybody outside that list we'll actually share it with you if you email us um we will share it with you we'll post it in the um in the description of the podcast so go check out the podcast description we'll post that in there where you can email us for it and we'll send you the rules so basically the rules are you can only draft from that pool you have to draft a certain number of players at each position so you can't pull a chris um and uh and then we take out all the injured players so if there are any players that get injured between now and when you do your draft um take them out but uh I, I got to be honest with you guys, and you guys have done more fantasy drafts than I have, but I've been doing fantasy for a while, and I've always been looking for a way to make it more exciting, like, you know, super flex, auction leagues, keeper leagues, the whole deal. Um, this was a really fun draft. I thought it was uniquely challenging um, and and just fun and exciting to do. You know what's interesting is you really had to have some understanding of the entire league to do this right i mean because now you're looking for okay you may have heard of these players but now you've got to figure out okay are they running two tight ends this year are they running more 11 personnel what are they going to do who's injured 
COVID list now is important. Kirk Cousins probably was a high draft pick in this yes. whole thing because of the uncertainty of all that. I, I agree with you, George. I thought it was, I thought it was an experts only except for me kind of decision making sort of league and uh, before i and we're gonna take a little break and come back and talk real fantasy football here in a minute that's my go-to when i walk in and ben's giving me this look like you think i'm gonna answer your questions this week no i'm gonna say hey my guy 80 to 1 he took mvp that's it george you're out of here we're gonna come back and talk fantasy football with the real experts we're gonna make you some money here after a very quick break all right we'll be right back uh, to fantasy football land and ian and Dwayne. and but first a little reminder that there is more preseason football this weekend and if you listen to george and eric on the pff forecast and why would you not you know that you should be heading to the DraftKings sportsbook app asap the special this week is so easy the NFL is back. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Listen to this. Use promo code PFF when you deposit and then bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season, and you will receive $200, $200 in free bets, $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited time offer right now, thanks to PFF. That's the promo code. And you can head to DraftKings Sportsbook app right now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game uh, with some big-time game parlays. Those are fun, too. All right, here we go. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code PFF to get free $200. That's amazing. And free bets right now. All right, let's get back to the boys. All right, here we go with the... Uh, fantasy experts here now this is this is something that i'm going to give a little history of pff when i bought the company basically in 2000 what was that 14 2014 fantasy football was like in a tiny cupboard somewhere over there and i said i don't know but a lot of people are playing fantasy football we should try to do this and the other thing i did was what about college football? Let's do that. So those were my two and only contributions to PFF over the years. <laughs> but fantasy football now has become one of the main engines of revenue for PFF. So I like it a lot. I really do. And so we hired Ian, and you've been a fantastic uh, contributor here. And then Dwayne comes on board, and we're fired up because we wanted to have some crossfire. You know, you got to have you got to have some interaction here with this whole thing. So I, I, and I like playing fantasy football, but one of the problems that I had was that if I had to adjust the lineups every week, I was never going to do that. So the best ball is sort of the answer to that, right? You pick in the beginning of the season and that's it. You don't have to set the lineups every week. You're done. You draft once and you're done because drafting is the most fun part of it. No question. Like. And even if you can't get together with the buddies and stuff, I mean, I have like, you know, 10 drafts going on on my phone right now that are slow drafts. So I just pretty much get a text message every few hours saying, hey, Ian, your time to draft, you know, in this spot. So never stops. Best ball is great. Usual redraft, I'm sure, is what people are most used to. Draft your team in August. You change your rosters throughout the year. Get a new team next year. The really fun one, though, Chris, is Dynasty, where you draft your startup team. And those 
those are your guys. They're thick and thin. That's a squad, and you got to look a little more long-term in the future. So. so it's like a real organization. It's like the Absolutely. Bengals, if you draft them, you got them for a lifetime kind of thing, right? Yeah, so when I start my first one, and I draft O.J. Howard to be the next god at tight end a couple years ago, you feel pretty bad about that for more than just one year. So why do we do this to ourselves every year? I don't know, but I like to think it's fun. So, Dwayne, but it's amazing to me that people who really watch and study uh fantasy football they know the league better than i do i mean i'm sitting there trying to keep up with you guys as far as the the skill positions the defensive guys and and the whole thing and it really is a fantastic way to learn the league isn't it yeah especially whenever you know we've got the data that we have at pro football focus which is really what you know the you know the draw for me you know coming to pff was just I'm a data and analytics guy and there's no place that has better you know data and analytics so, so trying to figure out how to take those things and figure out what really matters and apply that to fantasy football and so one thing I've really worked on Chris is this thing called the utilization report and I've been doing it for a while but now that I'm working you know with PFF I have access to so much more data so for example this last weekend I was looking at the Cowboys I'm from Dallas so let's talk about the Cowboys a little bit and I was a little worried about CD Lamb right because he's going in the third round of a lot of drafts right now and if you're only on the field and 11 personnel as a slot receiver you're only going to be out there about 70 percent of the time your quarterback drops back to pass on the season which makes it kind of tough you basically need to get a little bit lucky to be a top 12 receiver if that's going to be your role well this last weekend based on the data we have I could see while the starters went were in, obviously Dak didn't play, but while the rest of the starters were in, all three receivers being Gallup, Cooper, and then C.D. Lamb, he was out there for 90% of the routes. In fact, he was the guy bump, bumping Michael Gallup off, off of the field whenever they went to 12, so two tight ends, and they were only using two receivers, or they went with heavier sets. So now we see Lamb is never leaving the field, and this is a perfect example, right, of really where real football and then fantasy football meet. And it's due to these advanced, you know, different um, data points that we have that you just really can't get anywhere else. So it's super exciting to get, to get to try to bring those sort of things forward and help folks think about fantasy football in a different way. But to your point, like, yeah, you're you're truly having to study and dig deep into these things. And then ultimately, you're learning about football, but it's also helping make you a better fantasy player. And so you naturally learn a lot of things along the way. I, I tell you, one of, the, one of the data points that I love from fantasy football, or the first time I heard it was from fantasy football, were sort of red zone targets as a way of saying, all right, how many points is this guy likely to score? And it comes down to how many opportunities does he get in the red zone? But it really does, during the broadcast, you kind of get a feel for what they're going to end up doing. So uh, the, the wide receiver DB matchups that you guys do, I mean, all of it is just really, really interesting for me. The other thing that I, I, I think that as I listen to your guys' shows um, that I notice is, is there's a lot of counterintuitive sort of stuff that, that happens. Uh, for example, Almost all of the quarterbacks that are in the upper tier of your guys' choices are all these running quarterbacks, right? So Patrick Mahomes, number one, and we, we get that. And he can move too. But Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. And so when I, we were doing this draft the other night, and I was thinking, 
I don't know how much Dak is going to run this year. So I was starting to go, all right, I wonder if I could uh, steal him a little <laughs> bit later on. What are you guys thinking about with this quarterback position? Because it's quarterbacks, not necessarily who are the best throwers. Aaron Rodgers is in tier three for, for you, Dwayne. Um, but then it's running backs who really aren't the focal point in the running game, but the passing game that seems to make the difference with those guys there. So it's you have to think a little bit broader than just who are the best NFL players. Right. As much as we want fantasy football to replicate real-life football, it doesn't. You get a full fantasy point just for catching the ball. That little tap pass Jimmy G throws Debo counts the same as Julio Jones catching a ball 40 yards down the sideline in double coverage. We can do different leagues to help fix that. You can do half point per reception and things of that nature. But the two kind of cheat codes we've found in fantasy are the rushing quarterbacks and the receiving running backs. Occasional Robert Woods type receiver gets carries himself. But these players that have multiple facets and means of getting their production are the guys that we just see raising to the top. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers. I Reigning MVP. I think everyone, you'd be hard-pressed to name even just one other better quarterback than Rodgers last year. He was a fantasy QB4, as great as everything went for him. Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards. He was a fantasy RB3 because he just didn't catch enough passes. So it's a game we play, and if you want to win, you got to kind of buy into this. And again, just the rushing. We've only seen 22 instances of a quarterback having 100 rush attempts over the past decade. 15 of them finished as a top eight fantasy QB. And even the exceptions are guys like, you know, 2018 Lamar Jackson, 2011 Tebow, who when they were out there were actually still productive quarterbacks. So ultimately, it's a game of volume. That's what we're trying to chase more than anything. We love, I say it all the time in the podcast, we don't hate any players. We hate their average draft positions. So if someone is going as the RB5 that we think is the RB15, yeah, we're down on them. Obviously, we want every player to do well. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to project their opportunity. Players with, again, those two different measures to get the opportunity tend to stand out. And so a guy like, let's take a player from last year, Larry Fitzgerald, who caught a bunch of quick screens, just wide receiver, raise up, you're not running routes, just flip him the ball, that has value. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any type of utilization, just like what you know Ian's talking about is what we're looking for. So, I mean, this year, a great example with the Cardinals is just what you're talking about, Chris. I mean, Rondell Moore, right out right out of the gate, they open up with a screen pass to him. So Debo Samuel gets the same kind of looks. They're just as valuable as, you know, what Ian said, a look 40 yards down the field and double coverage to, you know, to to DK Metcalf or some other receiver. So it's it's all about being used broadly is the other way I think about it. So there's breadth, you know, and then there's depth. I want I want players that are moved all over the field. I want players um, at the top of the draft, you want players that can win deep, they can win underneath, they can win run after the catch. But then after, as you move down the draft board, you start getting in, into these spots in the drafts where you're really starting to take more specialized players. You know, so if you look at running backs, for example, about 50% of their receiving um, points come on first and second down. Well, that means that if you don't play on third and fourth down, you know, or long down and distance or passing situations, or if you don't get the two minute offense, you're immediately capped if you're in a league that gives points for reception. So you could be taking the back that gets the first and second down work, who technically is on the field more than the receiving back, but in a format where you get one point per reception, the back that's actually on the field less but gets those receptions can outscore the lead back from the team that gets more yards rushing. So, yeah, you're absolutely looking for how is the player utilized, and then you want to adjust to what is your league's format. You get a point per reception, you get a half point, 
per reception, you get zero point for receptions because those things change the dynamic. If you don't get a point per reception, well, then, you, then you're not as worried about having backs to catch passes. So it absolutely matters. Well, and perfect examples like Derrick Henry, who over 2,000 yards a season ago, uh, is a second tier running back for you, Dwayne. I mean, it's, you know, because he's not involved in the passing game to that extent. Uh, but McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, uh, Aaron Jones, all at the top of that list because of the receiving. All right. There are going to be people out there saying, I don't give a crap about fantasy, <laughs> talk a little football. So let's talk a little football here. Um, and, and this fits right into fantasy as well the quarterbacks now for some of these various teams do we even feel good about the bears the saints the 49ers the broncos where we don't even really know yet who the quarterback is going to be now maybe Jameis last night changed a few hearts over there we i i I think we're gonna see garoppolo with the 49ers i'm not positive about that uh the Broncos still not announcing. So what do you do with all that? So Broncos, I think in fantasy, the answer is just no. We haven't really seen Teddy or Drew Locke provide much upside regardless. Justin Fields or Trey, and Trey Lance are where it gets interesting because they just fit that dual threat profile in terms of what we've seen from past successful rookie quarterbacks. What I've been preaching, though, throughout the offseason because we don't know when they're going to be out there. You know, we already got Dalton secured for week one. It sounds like Jimmy G is at least the favorite at the moment. So if you find one of these guys on your team, draft Kirk Cousins. First seven Vikings games, Bengals, Cardinals, Seahawks, Browns, Lions, Panthers, Cowboys. I know they're a run-first offense, but last year, only Aaron Rodgers had more games with at least three passing touchdowns than Kirk Cousins. I know he's maybe not everyone's favorite quarterback in the media uh, lately with some of his off-the-field decisions. We just got to realize this Vikings offense, again, looks loaded. And a lot of these games, like the Seahawks, Cardinals, Cowboys, it's a mix of not just a bad defense, but also a high-scoring offense. We see those games sometimes where Dalvin gets 30 carries, Kirk throws the ball 50 times and it's over I think he could avoid that and then when you look at Fields and Lance's second half schedule that's where we can maybe get that perfect marriage so I know some people they don't like to spend uh, you know they don't like to have two quarterbacks on their fantasy roster and if you're taking Mahomes or Kyler one of these guys at top you don't have to but if you take the rookie get Kirk Cousins early and I think you'll have yourself a QB1 so you're waiting for the halfway point where one of the two of those guys are going to be playing which yeah. is a pretty good bet, you know? I mean, I all along I've made the point that, okay, you start Garoppolo, hopefully jump out to, you know, five and one, five and two start, trade him, actually get some value back for him instead of getting nothing for him. And now you just run off because you know you're going to play Lance anyway. So just go ahead and do it at that point. But you're saying the schedule is really perfectly set up for him in the second half of the season. Yeah, and I mean, I won't list the whole 49ers stretch. It ends with the Houston Texans in uh, Championship Sunday, which is all you need to know. I'm just expecting, based on history, for these guys to be under center by that point. Since 2010, the only four quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 that didn't hit at least 10 starts were Tua, Jared Goff, Mahomes, and Jake Locker is the only guy that didn't even get out there for one play. So, Fields, Lance, like, there's such different skill sets in the quarterback they already have anyway. What do you use to pick for if you're not going to start them eventually it's nice that the schedule sets up the way it does too Dwayne what would you do with a guy like Carson Wentz and I, I feel like we got conned a little bit by the Colts with that whole five to <laughs> twelve week thing or whatever um, but I, I'm watching video of him now out making cuts on that foot and breaking hard and 
it looks sounds like Quentin Nelson might be coming back here as well. But Carson Wentz, would you just completely go, ah, not feeling too good about that? Well, you're looking at my sheet, so that's pretty much how I feel about Carson Wentz right now. Um, when I look at the offense, I know they want to run the ball. Um, so I think that's going to limit, you know, his dropbacks. I'm not crazy about the receiving core. I mean, I like Michael Pittman. I think Paris Campbell actually has something to him if he could ever stay healthy. You know, T.Y. Hilton is obviously, you know, getting up there in age. They don't really have a go-to type tight end. So I just really see them wanting to lean into Jonathan Taylor um, and use him in the running game. Obviously, they've got to get Quentin Nelson back as well, but their defense is a solid defense. You know, So when I look at Wentz and I just worry about his accuracy issues and the type of offense that they're wanting to run, um, for fantasy purposes, it's just not somebody that I'm looking at. Now, if you're, in a, if you're in a situation where you're drafting in a league that starts two quarterbacks, which we call super flex, well, then he becomes a viable option that you're thinking about as your second or third quarterback on your roster. But if you're just in a one quarterback league, yeah, I'm passing on Wentz this year. The one rookie we do know will be playing is Zach Wilson. And my thing coming out in the draft was, this guy might be the best quarterback in this draft. You, you couldn't pick against Trevor Lawrence because of the history and all that he accomplished in championship games and all that sort of stuff. But the Aaron Rodgers lookalike from the film study I saw was Zach Wilson. Now, the question was, he had perfect protection at BYU, so was that going to translate but so far, this sucker's been playing. Now, Green Bay played nobody in that game the other day, right? They, nobody on that defense played. But Zach Wilson looked great. I mean, we just saw finally a couple of those throws that we saw. At BYU. We, we all knew he had this arm talent, but now we're seeing it against backup defenders, but still professional defenders. The throw to Sternberger where he went tight end down the seam, you know, to lead him away from the safety in that small window was impressive. The one that I think is getting most of the views where he rolled to his left, came back right, showed that off script ability. Like these are the plays we saw him making in college, and we just wondered if he could replicate it. Okay, it's preseason, but at least that answer is yes and not no at this level. We'll find out in the regular season if he can keep it going at a minimum in fantasy land I'm down to invest in this dude versus guys like Wentz like Darnold like Daniel Jones guys that we have seen play against professional defenses and not turn out all that well and the great thing about Wilson again going back to the idea we don't hate players we hate ADPs he's one of the cheapest quarterbacks available and not only is he cheap Corey Davis Elijah Moore these guys are going outside the top 45 receivers right now so you can go in your draft get all your studs early that you want and then make yourself a nice little jet stack at the end. Yeah, jet stack. I love it when you guys use all those terms. <laughs> Does it help? All right, so some of the biggest statistics as a receiver that I had in my career, and also as a quarterback, I started as a quarterback, uh, all came when we were getting our ass kicked, right? I mean, so we're way behind, and we got to throw the ball every down, and I end up with 170 yards or whatever the case may be. I go, yeah, wasn't a bad day. We got beat. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a bad day. Do you sometimes look for the lesser teams knowing they're going to have to throw it coming from behind? It certainly helps. And I mean, it's not, we don't want to target bad teams necessarily, but we, well, just... we already talked about targeting <laughs> injured players. So why not? That's true. That's true. But we, yeah, we're just looking for that volume more than anything else. And when you see that discrepancy, a guy like Corey Davis, who, Dwayne, you might have the specific stat, Nathan uh, Yonke's been yelling it everywhere. He's gotten targeted on like 70% of his snaps this preseason. And for him to have the potential for 150 or so targets, it's just hard to bust at that rate. That's why we're in on Brandon Cooks, even though the Houston Texans offense is looking like maybe the worst 
in the entire league. When you have someone that could get that many opportunities, it's just hard for them to bust. So many of the classics. So Russell Wilson is a guy that is a runner and also never gets hurt. I'll knock on wood. I, it's more important for me for Sunday night football to have quality football than it is my fantasy team. So I'm going to knock on wood for him there. Uh, Dak Prescott, though. Uh, how do you see him, Dwayne, now that, that coming off the foot, now he's got the arm, now he's got, you know, where would you be? Is he still a top five guy for you? Yeah, I still have him in the top five, but obviously he's a guy that I'm hoping is going to slide a little bit before I take him. So, so a lot of it is about taking value, you know, for quarterbacks, even though I have these, you know, five guys in the top, I don't take any of them at their normal average draft position. All of them have to fall past where they are right now um, before I really take them. Because whenever you go look at the rest of the rankings and the way these players fall out, I'm pretty much going to be guiding you towards continuing to take running backs, receivers, even potentially a couple of tight ends in that range and whenever you do the overall rankings. Um, but as far as Dak goes, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned right now. But typically, Chris, the way I, now this isn't for everyone, but I draft a lot of fantasy teams. <laughs> so as news cycles come and go throughout the summer, I like to buy whenever player values get depressed because as soon as we hear that, that you know, Prescott is back to throwing full strength, his value is going to shoot back up the board. So you have these little mini periods throughout the summer where you may get a week or two where a player's value is depressed by a round, a round and a half. And so I try to gain exposure to them because I know as soon as the good news hits again, then they're going to shoot back up the board and I'm going to be looking for another player that I'm going to be buying into. So with Prescott, though, if you're looking at those top five, he's obviously the one with the most concerns now with the shoulder plus the foot, but Plays in a great offense, got three great receivers. Hopefully the offensive line can stay healthy, you know, this off this uh, this year. You know, Tyron Smith struggled over the last couple of years, and that's been an issue for them. But it's just hard to see a scenario where if Dak is healthy, doesn't finish in the top five, six, seven quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, you just look at what that offense was able to do. He has room to fall, and he'll be fine in this landscape. If you just look at fantasy points per game, single season, I know, five-game sample, only 2019 Lamar Jackson was better than 2020 Dak Prescott. Will he be, you know, scoring all the rushing touchdowns, and he even had a receiving touchdown against the Giants last year again? Maybe they do take their foot off the gas a little bit, but it's kind of like the Josh Allen thing. Like, I don't expect as many runs inside the 10-yard line. He got 258 million reasons to avoid those, but how much can you really take that out of Dak. I mean, every this guy's highlight film of just those third downs, that Seahawks wild card game from a few years ago, diving head over heels. Like I've never seen a quarterback kind of be more just clear-minded about putting his shoulder down. I don't think he can pull that out of Dak. So even if he's 90, 90, 95% of the Dak Prescott we saw last year, I still think that's a top five fantasy quarterback. Let's finish up the conversation on quarterbacks with uh, with what's going on with Cam Newton now. He's going to miss this week of practice. He had a good game the other day. Uh, Mac Jones been playing very well uh, also. Where do you think that stands for this season? I think it's Mac Jones sooner rather than later because why do you bring him in? Like, the Jimmy G, Mac Jones thing, if that would have hit, okay, that's two similar similar quarterbacks. Maybe you want Mac Jones to wait the whole year. When we go from Cam to Mac, I'm assuming that's going to be a fairly drastic offensive shift, so I'm not sure why you wouldn't just get that done sooner rather than later, particularly we got Cam back on the COVID list and with how well Mac Jones has been playing. Chris, overall PFF passing grade, when kept clean, under pressure, throwing past the sticks, Mac Jones has been number one among 45 qualified QBs in the preseason. I know, it's just the preseason, but it's all we got right now. 
and the guy's been doing a hell of a job with each and every opportunity. Dwayne, what says you about that one? It's just a situation I'm overall avoiding, but I but I do agree with Ian. I, I think it goes to Mac Jones. I think, you know, I read these camp reports pretty much every day, and they both seem to be having some inconsistency. Each one will have a good day, then the other one will have a bad day. One will have a good day, one will have a bad day. And I think in a scenario like that, you're typically going to lean to the, to the younger quarterback. Now, I will say, what does that even mean? Knowing Bill Belichick, you know, he'll still use Cam Newton inside the five-yard line, and he'll drive everybody nuts. He'll say, <laughs> okay, Mac Jones is my starting quarterback. He'll be out there. Um, and then everybody will get excited about Damian Harris as a running back, knowing that Cam Newton's not there to steal rushing touchdowns. But then guess what? They'll get inside the five, and you'll see Cam Newton on the field. So it's just overall for me in fantasy football, it's a situation that I'm avoiding. Agreed. Um, the, the tight end situation, the big three, Kelsey, uh, Darren Waller, George Kittle, I think pretty universal, right? Um, but the more tape we're doing Atlanta's preseason game this weekend, and the more tape I watch on Kyle Pitts, the more I go, why can't he be Julio Jones in that offense? He's not limited to having to be outside. He's going to be inside. You got Matt Ryan, who's going to be comfortable trying to get completions, you know, just move the sticks kind of things. But this guy also has that big play flair that this offense is going to really need without Julio now. Dan Mullen said it at Florida. He's an elite wide receiver and an elite tight end. I'm not sure why Kyle Pitt's agent didn't say that my client is a wide receiver from day one. We look at the salary these guys demand, and you know Greg Olson brought up this point too. One play you're asked to do an offensive tackles job, the next play a wide receivers, yet you're being paid less than both of them. So from that standpoint, it's disappointing because you're right. If they want to use him as the clear-cut number two pass game option, okay, he might not put up Julio S numbers in year one, but he could at least fill that role and be that guy after some point. And it seems like you know based on the hype with him, it could come sooner rather than later so consensus top five tight end I know a lot of people are hoping he breaks Mike Ditka's long-standing rookie uh, touchdown record at the position I just think I haven't gotten a ton of one on the fantasy teams because look we are drafting him by his ceiling this guy has not played a snap he's going as a top five tight end he could get there I'm just not trying to draft guys you know at the peak of their powers when we can avoid it yeah the um the, the whole idea of the tight ends, and is that the one that you would say is the steepest drop after the big three? So that's it, right? If you're going to make a move doing like tight ends early, you think, in, the, in fantasy drafts? Yeah, and I highlighted this. I did four articles last week each uh, around strategy with each position and then overall putting all that together. And definitely this year, in the first three rounds, I would like to have one of those three. I'm picking from the front end of the first round. I'm going to let Kelsey go personally because usually Waller or Kittle comes back and I can still get one of the top you know, running backs. If I'm picking in the middle, though, of the first round, I like taking Kelsey right there because coming back, I don't necessarily want to reach quite yet for Waller or Kittle because some of the other options that are on the board. Um, the toughest spot this year, Chris, to draft tight end from is if you're, dra if you're drafting at the end of the round. So if you're picking you know, between 10, 11, and 12 in a 12-person league, you kind of got to make a decision. Am I going to go ahead and reach for Waller or Kittle, or am I going to get aggressive, to your point, and just try to swing big on a guy like Kyle Pitts um, you know, in the fourth round? You know, or maybe TJ Hawkinson is the player that you like. For me, personally, when I'm in that position – I just kind of let it all ride. I don't take the tight end there uh, in the first, second, third, or fourth rounds. I wait to see if one of those guys drop back to me in the fifth. And then if not, Logan Thomas kind of becomes my fail-safe option in round eight, a player that never leads, leaves the field you know, for Washington. 
Um, you know, he's not going to do what the top guys are going to do, but he doesn't have all the questions that everyone behind him has. Yeah, the other one, I'll stick with the Falcons for just a minute. Calvin Ridley, a lot of people quit following the Falcons last year at a certain point when they were sort of out of it. But Julio Jones missed about half the year a season ago, and Calvin Ridley stepped up and played like a number one wide receiver. He is number four, Dwayne, on your list, uh, just below Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Dix. Yeah, I love Ridley. Um, I think he's the next guy. You always want to be thinking about, you know, which of these guys that we're taking uh, all through your draft are going to be worth two, three rounds earlier next year. And I think Ridley's the guy that next year when we're drafting, he'll be a first-round pick. You know, he's going to be the lead target on his team. Pitts will probably be, you know, number two there. Um, but he's shown that he can handle it. He's done He's done well. Now, Matt Ryan has struggled when Julio Jones has been out. Um, but as far as Calvin Ridley goes, he's been great. And I really love what they've done. You bring in Arthur Smith. I expect a lot more play action. I expect more efficiency out of Calvin Ridley. He can run all of those routes that they want to use, just like what you saw with A.J. Brown. He's not quite, you know, I don't want to get Ian stirred up here. He's not quite the run after the catch <laughs> monster uh, as what we've seen with A.J. Brown. But I think Ridley, honestly, as a route runner, is more refined. You know, he can do more. So I'm, I'm super excited. I, I think the Falcons want to be more of a, a – pass to run balance team, not pass heavy like they were in the past. But I think that everything funnels through Ridley and then Pitts will be second. And, and I get the hesitation. Like you move Julio out of the offense. Is that going to be more double teams for Ridley and less production there? But last year, again, in a good sample, Ridley, 20.6 fantasy points per game without Julio, 17.5 fantasy points per game with. Why did he average more fantasy points per game without Julio? Because he got an extra 3.3 targets per game. So even if that efficiency falls off, the increase in volume is all we need in fantasy land. So let's let's take an example. Do you pay any attention to defenses in the division? So let's take the uh, AFC North, right? If you are you want a receiver, but you know you've got to play two games a year. Um, against that division okay let's throw out the Bengals for a minute but you have to go through baltimore's defense pittsburgh's defense and cleveland's defense is going to be no joke this year um do you pay attention to that at all as a tiebreaker, I consider it. I would say if you're going to look at strength of schedule, look at it in spurts. Like I mentioned the Kirk Cousins' first seven games. I'm willing to look at the first month or two of the season, but I don't want to make decisions based on a guy's schedule in December because who knows? Maybe those Pittsburgh and Ravens games, if TJ Watt gets hurt and then Marlon Humphrey's out, all of a sudden those matchups aren't quite as rough. And one of the things you brought up earlier, you know, getting 170 yards and a blowout loss or whatever, things like that happen too. So defense certainly matters in fantasy, but sometimes our ability to really properly weigh how much it should matter in a start-sit decision uh, is overblown. I always say, start your studs. Start your studs. If you have A.J. Brown, that dude is starting every single week. You're not starting Cole Beasley over him because of his matchup being slightly better. So it's a good tiebreaker, not something to necessarily hang your hat on every single round. Dwayne, give me the strategy for running backs. I I think if there's anything that's frustrating for – the average fan who watches football or they pay attention to PFF. We, we <laughs> preach running backs don't matter <clears throat> that it's more about the offensive line, but in fantasy football, running backs are everything, or at least they used to be. I think wide receivers are making a little comeback now uh, as far as the significance, but it really is all about the running back, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you don't get points, 
for receptions, it's still 100% running back, right? But when you get into the where you get a half a point per reception and you get a full point per reception, which is where a lot of the fantasy leagues are today because people want more points, just like they want in the NBA. They want more points, more points. That's where the NFL is heading to. So the running backs, yeah, they are the key. So this year, I want to walk away with one running back in the first two rounds. So, and if you, if you want a strategy for that, we call that anchor running back. You want at least one. And then you're leaving yourself some flexibility. You don't necessarily want to be attacking running backs, in my opinion, um, from rounds four through, say, six or seven. I think there's a lot of risk with those players. There's a couple of profiles there that I like. Um, but overall, the receivers that you're taking in that range, I feel much more um, you know, confident about them being able to remain healthy for a season. Um, and it just gives you the opportunity to take some of the backs that I do like later. So in the first two rounds, Chris, I mean, just to kind of name it off, you want one of McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Kamara, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, or Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You want one of those backs in the first two rounds. The guy that I'm targeting the most often this season in the second round is Joe Mixon. Um, with Gio Bernard gone, I think he's got the opportunity to truly be an every down back. Um, our own Andrew Erickson was interviewing a Cincinnati beat reporter last weekend on Sirius XM, and everything sounds like it is all systems go for Joe Mixon. He's going to handle pretty much all of the work. And this is a player that everybody was really excited about just over the last two years. I remember last year people drafting Joe Mixon at the end of the first round, and I'm like, look, love the player, but he's going to be off the field in the passing down work and so he wasn't worth it but this year it's the opposite and you can get him in the middle of the second to the to the, to the end of the second so you have a chance to start off with like a kelsey and a mixon that's a great start from the middle position if you're in an early position and you get to start off with say a dalvin cook and then come back with a mixon at that point you have two backs and you're pretty much you're, you've got complete flexibility and you don't have to worry about it basically at that point you're just looking for value to fall to you at the running back position. As you get a little later, you get past round six or so, um, some names for folks just to keep in mind. Um, you know, I'm really big this year on Trey Sermon. Um, you know, Ian, you can jump in here. I know you're you're the most guy. We actually like both players, but I see Sermon as being a really good fit in Kyle Shanahan's scheme. Um, if you take a guy like Javante Williams, who has upside as a rookie, that's great. Just remember, if he's your second running back, you should probably want to add another back. You may not be wanting to start him early in the season. That could still be the Melvin Gordon show, um, especially in the passing down situation. Um, so once you get past those early guys, I think there's plenty of upside that you can look at, especially if you load up on the receivers and say you've already got a, you've got a tight end and an elite back. It just gives you some flexibility. And then if you're not in a best ball, you can really work the waiver wire because we know injuries occur most often at the running back position. So that gives you additional flexibility down the stretch. Hey, give us some strategy, Ian. I mean, at what point, it, tell us what you're thinking at the top end, but when does quarterback start to enter your mind? I would say around four or five. One of Mahomes or Lamar is still there at that point. Then I'm okay going for it. And, and, and explain why that is. Because yeah. generally when you play fantasy football, the guy who ends up with the most points is the quarterback. But I assume there's a certain balance to that. I mean, last year alone, there was like I think 20 quarterbacks that averaged at least 17 and a half fantasy points per game. That's a very solid number. So if you're just in a one quarterback league, there's 20 plus 
viable quarterbacks. Now, there's not 20-plus real-life quarterbacks, but like even before Josh Allen took that huge step last year to become the MVP runner-up that he was, he was always a great fantasy quarterback. So again, this goes back to the idea, don't necessarily need to be great in real life to be great in fantasy. And I, I'm with you. We want to chase all that volume at the beginning. In the past, we could worry more about like offensive lines and things like that with these running backs. Now, we just want the volume because every backfield these days is pretty much a committee. In the year 2000, there were 19 running backs with at least 300 touches last year they were four so Najee Harris Joe Mixon I get it I don't love targeting guys behind those offensive lines either but when they're going to catch passes we get that extra boost and that's when we're down for it so I think Dwayne is making a lot of sense in the first three rounds you want to get a stud running back hopefully one of Kelsey Waller Kittle and then just start taking receivers because as the list goes on and on we can get guys like Sermon Raheem Mostert Damian Harris Zach Moss you know uh, James Robinson now that Travis CTN's hurt. And I'm not saying those guys are sure things, but we have similar questions to those guys as we do with the Daryl Hendersons, the Miles Sanders, guys that are going in the same range as just some awesome wide receivers we have less questions about. So Dwayne said, you know, we got all these fantasy draft strategies. I agree. Anchor RB, go get your stud early, and then just load up on the receivers and you can figure out the rest later. Yeah, Trey Sermon, San Francisco, of course, you're basically picking Kyle Shanahan at that point, right? And people have gotten burned by him the last three years because these running back for a while we had Devontae Freeman, Alfred Morris, even Carlos Hyde for a year yeah. put up big numbers. He's been using the committees, so then now the running backs are actually a lot cheaper than they were in the past. Beautiful. Um, so if if you guys so give me the over under on a couple of quarterbacks, okay? So what round if they fell to round what would you take? Patrick Mahomes. I'd say over under would be four and a half where I'm taking him at that point. Yep. Same same for me. Um, Dak Prescott. For me right now, that's round seven. Um, I was going to say six and a half. I, I'm willing to pull the trigger in six, but you can get him in seven right now. He's sliding probably one out of every three drafts I do. He's sliding into that range. If, if I already had Cooper or CeeDee Lamb on the squad, I'd feel better about that because we're going first or last. So if you're going to go in on one of these top receivers, then you can stack him with the QB. Matthew Stafford, now with the Rams. They might have to throw the ball with all these running back injuries even more than they wanted to. I'd say Stafford's someone that's more... 11 and a half. It's the Aaron Rodgers problem. He can be amazing, but as long as he doesn't run, it's going to be hard for him to be amazing in fantasy. Yeah, round 12 is where I've got Stafford. Wow. Tom Brady. So I'm throwing out all the big name guys. Yeah. So if you knew nothing about fantasy football, you'd go, oh my God, first round, I'm taking Tom Brady. But no, don't do that, right? I'd say nine, nine and a half. Just these statue quarterbacks. And his arm looks as good as ever. Everyone's back. I get it. Still, just because yeah, for, of the, the lack of running last year, yeah. he was about the QB 11 fantasy points per game. So, yeah, I have a, actually just a question for you, Chris, get your thoughts on this one. So when you look at a guy like Brady, he was in his first year, you know, in the system, you've, you've played in the league. If you look at the last eight games, so number one, in the first eight games, you had Mike Evans hurt right out of the gate. People forget that he injured his hamstring. He was doubtful for week one. He played through it, finally started getting healthy. Then he hurt his ankle. Chris Godwin missed four of the, eight, of the first eight games. You had Antonio Brown suspended for the first eight games. So if you look at Brady over the last eight games of the season, he averaged 306 yards a game, 8.1 yards per attempt. That's a full yard over the first eight games. The other thing is they threw the ball more in every scenario. So in close games, they were up 2%. 
in games where they were leading, they were up 3% as far as passing versus rushing. And then over the last eight games, they threw the ball 5% more when they were trailing. So it seemed to me that they really were starting to say, look, we've kind of tried this running thing, but we've got all these receivers, we've got Brady. And so for me, Brady is a key component of the strategy. I, I have three quarterbacks identified as centerpieces for the strategy of how you should approach quarterback in 2021. And Tom Brady is one of them. So I would just like your thoughts, you know, Chris, when you when you think about a quarterback, quarterback getting acclimated, new offense, coordinator getting to understand him, Bruce Arians and him seem to be simpatico. You got the receivers healthy. What are your thoughts on Tom Brady? Um, I think that as big a favorite as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are this year, and I know the Chiefs are the number one favorite, I think Tampa Bay is the overwhelming favorite, in my mind, in the league this year uh, for a lot of the reasons you just talked about. But Tom Brady switching teams, basically not being able to go through a normal offseason and a camp, um, they were at one point, I want to say seven and five, but I just had watched the tape against them and the Green Bay Packers, and they were down 10 to nothing and ended up winning the game 38 to 10, whatever it was. And it wasn't the offense that turned me on. It was watching that defense play. And now that defense is simply going to be better. And with Bruce Arians having flipped the script, I think, a little bit in Tom Brady's mind. Yeah, sure, we were around in 2007 and Randy Moss and 23 touchdowns and, and all of that. But you could tell at the end of last year that they weren't afraid of making a mistake on offense. So that's just going to lend itself to even more bombs away, A, if they intercept the deep ball, big deal. But B, you've got some of the best deep ball receivers and Tom Brady throwing the ball. But you also have a defense that can cover your ass, yeah. right? And I, I just don't, I don't know that I can name a whole lot of combinations like that. I mean, you go down, you know, Levante David, Devin White playing the the linebacker position, uh, Vita Vea back at the nose tackle position looked good. Um, they've got a secondary that they were that was the question mark going into the season last year. The question was, could this baby young secondary hold up? And they did, and they got better, and they're going to be even better. Antoine Winfield's going to be even better than what he was a, a season ago. Their offensive lines is good across the board, just about, and they're not as good as. But there's a chance that O.J. Howard, Cameron Braid, Rob Gronkowski can all play, and those receivers are as good as anybody. So deep. And Giovanni Bernard is going to give him the James White that he didn't have a season ago. So pick a hole in that. You know, I'm sitting there going, where's the flaw on that football team? I, I did an article series where I just, because we can talk up almost anyone and that is going as a top 12 fantasy player. And for Brady, I was just like, father time comes that's the only way it could go south for him because they have everyone back you mentioned the uh turnovers and how he was more willing to go deep that was the biggest surprise for me last year because one of the really cool stats we had from pff going to last season was we only had three quarterbacks have at least 40 turnover worthy plays in a single year carson palmer james winston andrew luck all of them in their first year with bruce arians what does tom brady do Leads the league in lowest turnover-worthy play rate. So the guy, you know, obviously GOAT, special. I don't know when it's going to stop. I'm and, not going to bet against him. And was one of the, the top deep 
ball yeah. throwers. It, it, Second and average target depth. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the whole thing to me just, uh, it, it, they're going to have to lose it in my mind for them. You know, somebody may come out of the, the woodwork. You know, we may say, you know, San Francisco is always my pick to win the NFC. And of course, the last few years have just been train wrecks with the injuries and, and the whole thing. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really big on Tampa. I, I think Tampa and Tom Brady and, you know, don't forget he had knee surgery at the end of the season. But I when they were seven and five, whatever, I came out and they asked me to do PFF guys asked me to do a top ranking and I put Tampa as number one. And and then the next week we had them against the Saints and they got beat thirty eight to three. I said, "Don't ever ask my ass to do a top five again, ever again, because I don't know what I'm talking about." And then they went on the run. You know, they just went on the run after that. It was a special year for them. And yeah, it's not sexy to pick a repeat of the Super Bowl contenders, but just looking at it objectively across the league, I don't know how you can come up rationally with anyone else. It's tough uh, when you're talking about favorites. All right, one final parting shot here, guys. What's one secret weapon, one secret strategy, something for uh, our glorious listeners who are getting ready to go into their fantasy draft? I would just say in general, draft players closer to their floor than ceiling when you can. And this has gotten me to guys like Tyler Boyd, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, because when you look at the numbers they're projected for versus where they're going in the drafts, it doesn't add up. You can be high in Jamar Chase. You can be high on T. Higgins. But to say that they are 15 wide receiver spots better than Tyler Boyd, who before Burrow got hurt last year was the wide receiver 11 in all of fantasy, just doesn't add up to me. So I would say, you know, we talked about Brandon Cooks. Corey Davis like when you're in these middle rounds going for wide receivers follow the targets follow the opportunity and when you happen to catch again a legit contender for triple digit targets in these middle rounds that's a great example of someone that probably would be going a little bit higher if people were sticking more to the opportunity like they should and you guys have projected targets and all that sort of stuff so they can file in what do you say there Dwayne yeah, so for me, if, if you use the strategy we talked about where you're taking a running back early and then you're waiting a little bit, you're picking up a sermon, maybe even then you pick up somebody that catches some passes, um, I'm typically rostering two of the four players I'm about to name to you, and it's Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Darrington Evans, and Chuba Hubbard. So those guys all play behind, you know, elite, you know, backs they for Pollard and for Evans they both play behind backs backs that are hitting this season they're going to hit 1500 rushing attempts which we know um is about when the running backs start to either level off or start to falter right and most running backs don't make it to that stage but I think you're getting players that could totally change the trajectory of your season now I'm bigger on these players in a redraft format than in a best ball um because in a redraft format if, it, if it's not working out and I need to make a move I can but those are players that if the back in front of them goes down, you're immediately going to have a great starting running back, too, that's going to give you an advantage over pretty much everybody in your league. Well, good luck to you guys in your uh, fantasy drafts this year. Seriously, just as a brief estimate, how many fantasy drafts have you guys done already? And we're just really hitting the beginning of fantasy draft season. I'm afraid to hear Dwayne's answer. Best ball, I'm probably in four. 40 to 50 and I have like 15 lineups I'll need to edit during the year. Dwayne, what what god what number are you at this year? Last year it was absurd. 
No, I'm only I'm around I'm a little over 40 in best ball, okay. but I, I'm I love redraft more, and so I like to play uh, anywhere from 12 to 20 teams. I thought you had like I'll 70 actually, last year. Well, that was with best ball as okay. well. Now I've done that many before, but that's insane, man. It's just too much. It's too much to handle all of the, the. It's like Chris said he didn't want to handle one team where he's got to worry about setting his lineup and picking players up. Try doing that for seventy. Um, your wife does not like you at the end of that. Season. So even if you win. Guys, it was fun. Thanks. Good luck. We appreciate you. Everybody, if you're thinking about fantasy football, and it's that time of year right now, uh, Dwayne McFarland, Ian Harditz here at PFF, they have fabulous articles. Even if you don't want to pay for all the in-depth detail, just come to the site, read the articles. You're going to learn plenty about it. And uh, it's great having you guys on our team. Appreciate you, man. It sure makes uh, watching Red Zone a little bit more fun. (laughs) (laughs) It does. All right, thanks so much for tuning in today. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed having all my guys hanging out with us. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you give it a five-star review, then I can keep paying those hardworking young men uh, top dollar (laughs) to keep them working for you in fantasy football, which is always a great thing. Um, Don't forget the worst ball fantasy. You can head over to PFF and get a description of all those playing rules and some of the, the rosters from which you can choose. Uh, But that was a lot of fun as well. So until next week, and Worst Ball is uh, an institution all over the country. We'll see you right here on the Chris Collinsworth Podcast. 